Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Can we tell what the book's about? Can we tell the whole story? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, so it's it's about it's about AJ's girlfriend who dies of cancer, and uh, I too am a widower, and so it it just connected with me so much, and I think that was the point of our mutual friend passing the book along. This is going to connect with you, and it's it, it so profoundly did. And um, I guess the, the a place to start is at what point did you know that um, this was something you wanted to make? a book make work about? Uh, pretty early, pretty early on. I mean, in our relationship, um, Kristen would tease me. She would just be like, I, I was introducing her to comics and graphic novels, and I was at art school at the time, and I remember her just saying, uh, you know, she'd jokingly nudge me and just be like, oh, you should write one of these about me one day, you know? like you should." Our, she thought our story was so remarkable and uh, thought that it should be, you know, she kind of incepted me to do it, you know. So, you know, maybe, you know, early on in our relationship, she was already uh, encouraging me to, to write about her and us. Not like, you know, she was just kept like bugging me about, t t but she was like, she thought it was special enough to Put pen to paper and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, how, And how did the writing go? How, how, I, when I say I, I want to say the writing because I'm a writer, but obviously the visual element is a huge one. But how did the process of doing the drawings and uh, the writing was the hard part? I think. Um, well, I, I, it's something that I'm not. I don't think I've been trained to do. I actually had a lot of help uh, with editing from friends and things, and but I. I say it was difficult, but at the same time, there, I, I, she passed away maybe two months before I started the book, so a lot of stuff was still fresh, mm -hmm. and it kind of just like poured out of me, and I was, I was, uh, I was kind of just my hand was just trying to keep up with like my, my brain, but uh, it was that. I think the the aspect of it that was really difficult as well was condensing, or trying to do justice to both her story, her life story, and then also the story of some aspect of surfing, mm -hmm. surf history. Mm -hmm. And that was just a lot of reading, a lot of like sifting through and like trying to find different sources that, you know, I could, I thought were reputable or like trustworthy or had the right story. Cause you know, in, in surf history, so much is debated, like even, even the origins of it, mm -hmm. you know, it's seen as like a Polynesian thing, but then some people are like, it's a Peruvian thing because they're riding these reed boats yeah. after they went fishing in like 500 BC or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that was hard, just condensing all these different things. Um, the easy thing was drawing it actually mm -hmm. because that's what I know and mm -hmm. it's what I went to school for and it's what I, I'm most comfortable doing. So that was just like executing. Mm -hmm. Was it an emotional process or did you did it or did you sort of click into a more technical uh, craft sort of? Bit of both. I think on the front end it was very much emotional. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's weird talking to you guys like about it because I was like working on it in silence for so long and and like it was kind of just my thoughts but it was very much uh still fresh and I was uh you know the wounds of grief were like closing and I was trying to reopen them to to try and capture what uh I was feeling at the time and it was very difficult yeah yeah it's very difficult um Something you did that I really like is the, so there's, so it, it weaves a historical story, um, Duke Hanamoku and Tom Blake, who are very important in the surfing world. In surfing history, they're both huge figures. Um, and then there's the, the, I'll call it present day, even though it's not present day, literally, but the, the more contemporary story, and that is the story of you and your girlfriend. Um, but you use sepia tone to tell the backs, there's almost, it's almost a key. And it's a really interesting, um, device to sort of let you know where you're at. But sepia tone in the back, in the historical piece, and, and then um, blue for the present. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's pretty, I mean, there's not much, there's not a lot of deep thought in, into doing that. I, I think it was just a way to, one, introduce color in the story, um, but also kind of you kind of nailed it like you just you're placing someone in the story and like there's a lot of moving parts so i just figured like let's color code it like it's it'll be easier for you to to place yourself in the narrative if you can kind of address the color scheme but um i guess in terms of the color and the meaning people are always wondering like what the deeper significance of it and like sepia is kind of an obvious choice it's like reminiscent of old Frank film and and like it's a color that we all you know, we watch an old movie and it's it's right there and so that was the thinking behind that. And then the blue is just I was really sad at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, it was kind of like a it's kind of a cliche, but I was feeling that way, so I used that color. Um and also it's somewhat of a complimentary if we're gonna get technical, you know, they're it's like a dusty orange and then like it's like a greenish blue so mm-hmm. it's a bit of uh complementary colors but also just <coughs> very uh basic mm-hmm. reasons for using those colors did you listen to music while you worked all the time i mean it, it was funny because it was like i would uh i was working at sketchers as a a colorist and i um at the end of the day like the way my brain knew that it was time to switch from like work to like my real work was I'd turn like my little lamp on at my desk and then I'd put um, some Bill Evans on. And then just as, as soon as like, he's, it was like the same, I think it might've been, uh, maybe it's Bill Evans, Chet Baker, Bill Evans, um, it's just some self-titled album on YouTube. And like, it was like almost a, a signal as soon as I heard the first couple mm-hmm. notes and I'm like, okay, it's work time. Oh, that's really and great. It, and it switched my brain. And you, st- was it, um, instrumental music always that you listen to while you work? Yeah. Yeah. Especially writing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's the same for you. Yeah, for sure. It's, yeah. So, it's sort of lyrics are fighting with uh, the words. That, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's just too much going on. Yeah. Um, and uh, talk to me about um, Duke Hanamoku and Tom Blake. Can you maybe just tell a little bit about who they are and then why you chose them as this foil, I guess you might call okay. it. Sure. Um, so... Duke Hanamoku is a surfing pioneer. 
and uh, he was probably, you know, he's known as the greatest waterman of all time, and uh, he has a very solid place in surf history, and um, <clears throat> when I was researching the surfing aspect of this book, I, I just, it was just too, it was a prompt given to me by my publisher. They're like, try and combine these two stories, because you obviously have a connection to surfing on an emotional level, and then there's the historical aspect that they wanted in some sort of book form, and I, I was like, that's crazy. I don't, why would I do that? And then, um, and I was like, gonna not do the book, and then I realized, like, eh, I should do the book. And then, what happened was, like, in my research, I, I was just looking for something that I could somehow find threads to kind of weave our stories together. And, and Duke's relationship to Tom was very interesting because they they shared a, a reverence and respect for each other and um it was like this budding friendship that like resulted in amazing things happening for for at least one of them and i i saw that mirroring my relationship with Kristen she was kind of setting up my life to to succeed in all these different ways that i didn't know that she had planned out for me and when i found that thread i'm like okay we can this might work and um, so Tom is, he's not like an insider surfer person. He's from the East Coast. He was just, you know, a swimmer and, but he was like nomadic and he didn't, he, he um, decided to go on this journey to find himself. And, and along the way he found surfing and he found um, a home on the Hawaiian Islands and he in, he invented all these things that have become staples in surf technology today, and I, not even just surfing. He did stuff for lifeguards, and um, yeah, I think he said like his greatest accomplishment was like all the lives he saved with his um, lifeguard buoy. Mm -hmm. The things mm -hmm. you guys see lifeguards with, he they still use it to that day, to this day, and it was Tom who made that. Mm. Interesting. And what is your relationship like with surfing today? I think it's always connected to Kristen still because <clears throat> like whenever I'm out there and I you know I'm stretching or like putting my gear on and stuff and I'm in the sand I, I kind of like have a little conversation with her before I start surfing and and the places I surf there's there's like strong residual memories in these areas and uh I just feel connected to her when I do it. But um, it's also not like the super spiritual thing. It's like super healthy for you. And mm -hmm. I, like I'll go out um, when I'm feeling super fat and uh, I'll go and, and paddle and feel better. And, you know, on on the health side and on the emotional side, like it's all it's all good for us. Um, but I I just love doing it. It's just something that's super fun to do and there's always something to learn and, and progress. And it's like any creative form, mm -hmm. art form. Mm -hmm. And your your book's done really well, and it's and there have been a lot of events and interviews and things like that. What's been, um, what's been interesting or surprising about that? Have you, um, I mean, it's really, it's really an interesting thing to have lost a loved one, loved one, and then to have this book that becomes a vehicle that's, that's creating new experiences, basically. It's crazy. Um, 
I couldn't have anticipated the kind of reaction it's been getting. Um, I think from the second that I put pen to paper and I made the first chapter that, um, the first chapter I made was The Kiss, if you guys have read the book, and it's when Kristen and I share our first kiss, and you know, it's like a, a prologue to the loss I would experience later. Um, <clears throat> I sent that to the CEO of Nobrow, and uh, he emailed me back, and he said he had like tears in his eyes, and he was he was um, profoundly affected. And it was like a crappy sketch; it was like super rough. And but I, to see that it resonated on that level, and then from a stranger, I didn't really know him that well. And then now it's it's happening all over the world, kind of, at least in the places that it's published. And you know, Nobrow's been really good about. Um, selling book rights to different publishers around Europe and stuff. So Casterman, the French publisher that made, uh, they published like Tintin and Mobius. They picked it up and they, they've been just slanging books. And they, the people that have responded, it's, it's, it's been so, it's very touching, the mm -hmm. things that people say, because I think what I'm talking about in the book is kind of universal, but I didn't realize how universal it was when I was writing it. I was just writing what I was feeling at the time and, um, you know, death and grief and loss. Like, it's, those are things that everyone can relate to at, in, on some level, and I think um, it's resonating with people. And, like, I'll, it, it's so crazy. Like, I'll just keep getting, uh, I guess the book's been publish, published in Poland and, and France and, um, Italy and China, I think, but I'll just wake up and it's just like a bunch of Polish emails, like, and they're just like, I have to Google Translate everything, but it, it's always like, um, you know, I lost my mom, or um, I'm battling cancer, or I loved your book so much, I'll, I wanted to show it to, I've been sharing it with all the people I know, and even just yesterday, there was um, a Swedish filmmaker that sent me the most touching message, and she's doing a... She was hired to do a, a Swedish campaign addressing, I think, breast cancer. But it's the most beautiful film. And, and she was like, I, I picked up your book at the East London Comics Festival. And I was approached by this um, Swedish cancer um, conglomerate. And they wanted me to make a film for them, for this nonprofit. And, and she sent it to me, and it was... It was so touching, and she was just like, the thing that you made has been resonating, and this is just one of the effects of its ripples, you know? So it's been crazy. Oh, that's so wonderful. It's it's powerful. It's so powerful. Um, going back to kind of your process, um, you know, there's this thing, right, where, we, where we, we make this work and we're, you know, we want the work to be out in the world, and we're, like, for lack of a better word, we're ambitious with it. And yet, when you're doing something that is so close to your heart and that is stabbing yourself and like, kind of letting blood just flow, um, so, and Bill Evans can be incredibly sad. You alone working after hours in Skechers in Manhattan Beach? Yeah. Um, and I remember you told me something which I thought was great, where you became friends with all the janitorial staff. Like you were working the the night, you were working the kind of um, the late shift there, yeah. the last person in the building, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I have this wonderful image of you, which you could probably draw really well, which is like the outside of the building, and all the lights are off except for one, and there's just the silhouette of this guy working with Bill Evans playing. 
in in that moment and and kind of tapping or kind of going into a story that is extremely sad um, were you what describe that like were, were you just trying to get at the truth of it were you trying to get at how it were you trying to make how it felt for you resonate in on the page I guess what I'm getting at is the interesting thing is you do this thing that is that is what you do which is make art but it's also very painful to to reopen the wounds as you put it which I so relate to um, but then it does connect with people and it does it's a it provides a salve for people and it connects people and it and and it and it creates a life so 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 in the process of of the work what are you going for i think a, a bit of all of that i think this story i mean i i said no to so many things for almost three years and isolated myself and because the story was that important to me because I think well it's hard to like go back and be in my mind's mind at that time but I remember just having this like feeling clawing at the back of my heart like I I'm forgetting her each day that passes and if I don't get certain things down on paper, then I might lose her. And and um, I was just fighting that feeling. I had I was very afraid of of uh, forgetting. <clears throat> so I was very driven to just try and and piece together this story because in a way I was immortalizing her, and I was trying to keep her in in. Uh, in my mind and in in her family's mind like it it was it was the book was for her is for her and it's not i was just kind of like i was just trying to get her on paper mm -hmm. and i think part of the blame was on no brow to you because they were they had this deadline and you know i don't know if i would have written the book if they hadn't asked me to. Mm -hmm. So it's it's kind of like, there's practical reasons, like there's a publisher that's depending on me for this, but it's also bigger than that for me. But with their impetus, I was able to like, they drew the story out of me. But yeah, I was just, I was just looking to, to not forget her. Mm -hmm. And has her family read the book? Yeah, I mean, maybe they're here, nope. They're not here. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, they have. And that's like, in all the interviews I've done, that people are so curious about their reaction. And um, yeah, they, they've read it. I, her mom is someone that's, um, you know, I, I say to people that like I didn't, I don't think she fully trusted me or, or like, thought I was good enough for Kristen until she passed away. Like that's the kind of relationship we had and um I I didn't hear from her directly but her her son told me that she read it and she was just at work like kind of bawling and she's been amazing. She's been like buying um the book in bulk and just giving it to 
all these medical professionals and all all her old nurses and all her oncologists and doctors and surgeons like they all have copies of the book now and um, her brother read it and he he's one of my closest friends and I consider him my own brother and when I gave him the book I was like on pins and needles for like two weeks because his opinion was kind of the closest to Kristen's and I it's the one that meant the most to me you know so if I had his approval like no one else's really mattered but I didn't hear from him for a long time and I was like fuck I don't know <laughs> I don't know uh, I don't know what this means like maybe he didn't like it maybe because there's some stuff in there that you know might paint their family in a bad light or something and I was just waiting for his approval and then he finally got back to me and he was like I it the reason I didn't get back to you so soon is because I knew it would be hard to read and it's just like we've been saying it's like this ongoing theme of like reopening wounds and revisiting it and I can't imagine how painful it would be for you know her only brother her only sibling to to kind of rehash all that stuff so he finally got back to me and he told me he loved it but it was it was hard for both of us <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, and she has a huge family, which is a huge network of people, and they've all been championing the book, and they love it. I think nice. they, they uh, I think one of the most touching things was saying that they have, they have this thing to constantly remind them of who she was and how she was, and um, they're very appreciative. Hmm. I have a couple more questions for you, but can we throw it to uh, anyone have a question for AJ. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I was drawing on a lot of the things that I've been a fan of for a long time you know, a lot of comics, just because, like, I've never made, like, the longest comic I've made before I went on this, like, crazy path writing this 300-page thing was, like, a a little comic in a zine. So I was, like, constantly referencing, you know, my comics heroes, um, Charles Burns, Olivier Schwerin, uh, Daniel Klaus, Adrian Tomini, Jillian Tamaki, the list goes on and on, but a really big inspiration visually was like Adrian Tomini's Killing and Dying. He has a story in there. I'm sure you guys have read it, but it's it's a I think it's the namesake of the book, and it's like a short story in there, and it's just so powerful. There's no context really f spoken about. You just kind of see um, this girl's mother degrading throughout the panels and it's like all these visual cues that you know this is someone who's going through chemo and she's clearly dying and it's not really addressed and it's so understated and beautiful and that was a huge touchstone for me when I was making this um, and a book by William Finnegan um, called Barbarian Days was just incredible like I went back and rewrote things because the way that he described it's a book about this it's uh like a memoir yeah. and he's just talking about how he 
went all over the globe and surfed and and like his his youth is intertwined with this thing and as he's getting into older age he's just reminiscing on it and I really connected with it because I had never I haven't read a lot of um surf biographies and stuff until now and then when I read his it was one of the first that really resonated because it was he was writing it was like I was sitting out in the water with him when he was talking about how he experienced surfing and it was just so one-to-one that like I said I just went back and I was like delete (laughs) all this crappy writing and just like you know I was totally inspired I read the book and it moved me, but I've spent my life surfing pretty much, and I write about surfing quite a lot. Were your friends? We became friends. I never met him, and then I got to know him via the pages of the book. He he drove me to tears. I I cried three times in my life. (laughs) It's a love. It's a love. I mean, it's a relationship story above all else, but it's 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 braided with a two characters who are very important to the history of surfing. So surfing is this sort of foil or uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of... It's like a backdrop. Yeah, it's a backdrop. Yeah. Yeah. And they spent a lot of time surfing, yeah, together. Yes, she was a surfer also. Um, uh, But what else is important to know for the reader or the with someone coming to the book without a lot of knowledge what would you tell them i would tell them to not uh whenever i i'm at, i've gone to a lot of like book festivals and comics festivals and people will pick up the book and kind of skim and i i think it's a book that you just have to read cover to cover because it's not going to make any sense and uh, unless you get to the end and it's all explained because it doesn't they're pretty disparate subjects, like you're saying, and I, I had to find a way to intertwine the two, and it doesn't make sense unless you read it all the way through. And, uh, but yeah, I mean that's something that's been told to me is like it's a hard book to sell because unless you experience it, then you don't really, well, you don't really, you won't. It's hard to just explain before anyone's read it. It was interesting for me because I'm I mostly read prose, right? So I'm like it's all text and the imagination comes and fills it and I don't read graphic novels. Um, but the, it's interesting how f- few words are necessary with the visuals to, to carry you along. I mean, there's a lot of, there's, there's not a ton of words in the book. Right. And that's something that's been pointed, pointed out to me quite a bit and it was pretty intentional because um, I'm very much concerned about someone's experience reading a graphic novel or a comic or whatever like the best comics are just seamless you just you're not just like reading it there's there's parts where you can pause and like appreciate a story being told visually um and then there's parts that need you know text but i love when i read something and it's it's so fluid that i'm not I'm not like straining to like figure out where I am in the story and like which bubble is which and who's talking like I think 
I appreciate being sparse. Um, but it was like a revelation to me as I was working because I learned that like not everything needs a caption and there's like a whole chapter where I, I had all this writing because I would, I would start with a script. I just had like a huge um, Microsoft Word document with all the writing and then I would try and plug it into these drawings and I plot these storyboards essentially. Um, but I realized like what I was drawing was saying what I was writing in some aspects and and it was even more powerful sometimes if I removed the words. Mm -hmm. So you can, you as the reader can put together and have your own interpretation or have, you know, I don't need to tell you how to feel in a certain moment, you know. Yep. So that was kind of a big, a big thing I learned making comics. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think uh, enough people know enough about my personal life at this point. Um, so I think I would love to do like an anthology of like short comics or just kind of exploring the form and like kind of doing better drawings. <laughs> just taking my time because I uh, again like this book was under there was a there's quite a strict deadline to keep up with. So um, a lot of, you know, I had to like be okay with certain pages not coming out as perfect as I wanted. And it's just part of the process. And um, it was more important to finish the story and get it cohesive and, and out there than it was to be like making sure everything's perfect. But for the next thing, I think I wanna try and make sure everything's perfect. Yeah, so it, it, our relationship started with um, her diagnosis as a, a cancer patient. She was diagnosed with osteosarcoma when she was like, how old are you when you're a sophomore in high school? However old that is. And she, um, so I didn't really know much about her active life because the entire time I knew her, she was, uh, she was suffering from cancer and she had, you know, a BZK amputation, below the knee amputation on her right leg, and she had, you know, so many surgeries on her lungs, and, you know, as a relationship progressed, her health was worsening, so I didn't, all these things that I knew about her active life was told to me from, you know, uh, third parties, her, her cousins, and her friends, and her brother, and um, it wasn't until, like, um, maybe two years before she passed where she started surfing again. And then that's kind of like where the story picks up in the book. And, and then I explore through interviews with her family how um, she came to be so involved in the sport. Thanks for asking.
I, I'm, I'm a pretty open book when it comes to th certain things, but you're, I agree with you. I think if I had more time and I had like uh, more freedom in terms of deadline stuff, I mean, I, I would have loved to expound upon so many aspects because to cover a point in history of surfing and like try and cover someone's entire life, it's just, it's a lot to cram into a book. And I wish I there are things that I wish I could have told more because I kind of breezed through certain aspects of things that were not as tidied and cleaned up as it looks in the book. You know, her 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 illness, her sickness, like all that stuff was way more gritty, way more intense, and way it deserved more 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 life on the page for sure. But in terms of um, you know trying to appease a publisher got to get things done on time. Anything, anything else you want to talk about? I just want to thank you guys for coming. This is awesome. Um, thank you, Jamie. Yeah, thank you. And um, and you'll be signing books maybe right here. Yeah, and please eat the pastries. It's just a lot. <laughs> Thanks so thank much for guys. coming. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.